This is the Collector Car Podcast, the home for the auto enthusiast. Join Greg Stanley as he applies over 25 years of insights and analytical experience to the collector car market. He will interview the experts and throw in some fun stuff as well. Welcome to the Collector Car Podcast. Hey, before we get started, I wanted to let you know that if you need any assistance on buying or selling or consigning a collector car, I am actually offering free consultation services uh, just for you. So it's just a phone call. I can give you some insights as far as what's the best way to sell your car, whether it's an auction house, in person, online, private sale, or other amazing, incredible ideas. <laughs> so you can email me at greg at the Collector Car Podcast. Uh, or you can schedule an appointment by going to uh, my website, thecollectorcarpodcast.com. On the homepage, just scroll down till you see the uh, services tab and contact Greg where it will take you and you can schedule an appointment on my calendar. So pretty straightforward, pretty easy. Uh, be great to talk cars with you, find out what you have in your garage and uh, what your plans are. Or if you're looking to buy that dream car, I can also help you out in that way as well. All right, uh, before we get to Jay Leno's weird and wonderful cars, I do want to give an update on some upcoming auctions. Now, uh, R.M. Sotheby's, who I do consult for, is uh, consigning cars for the Amelia Island sale. Scottsdale is full. Scottsdale is coming up before you know it. Uh, so, you know, the next one is Amelia Island. And part of me, but I should say, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Hanukkah. Uh, happy Festivus, all that kind of cool stuff for the holidays. I hope all of you are having a wonderful holiday here in the Midwest. We're getting hammered by snow by the time this comes out. So I will be hunkered down uh, for the holidays having a white Christmas. So like I said, Amelia Island, I believe there's only a handful of slots left. I mean, there's still time. I mean, I'm talking 20, 30 slots, but uh, they do go fast. Uh, the schedule is Thursday, March the 2nd. Uh, 10 a.m. till 7 p.m. is a preview. Friday, March the 3rd, 10 a.m. till 4 p.m. is another preview. And then the auction is uh, Friday night at 4 p.m. So that is what's happening at Amelia Island this year. And uh, RM Sotheby's is the original auction house of Amelia Island. So some great cars always come across the block there. Um, I do want to say that last year was a record. I'm sorry, this year actually at Amelia was a record year. We had some huge car sale. And if you're uh, with me on YouTube, I've pulled up some pictures here. Um, it is an incredible 1934 Packard 12 individual custom convertible Victoria by Dietrich. Now it's just one of three known to exist. And this thing was absolutely stunning. Surprising. Uh, I don't know. I was a little surprised it sold so strongly because pre-war cars have been a little soft recently, but they have definitely been increasing lately, and the Premier cars are definitely doing incredibly well. Speaking of Premier cars, this one had excellent provenance along with show-winning history. Let's see, it won first-in-class and runner-up Best of Show at the 2014 Pebble Beach Concorde Elegance. Uh, let's see, it sold for an astounding one point over $1.4 million. Now, the next one that hit the block. This this one was really crazy. If you were in the room at Amelia Island was this 1930 Duesenberg. So this is a, let's see here, Duesenberg Model J convertible sedan by Murphy. It shattered its high estimate by over a million dollars. So it sold for 3.5 million. And let's see what the estimate was. Two to 2.4 million. And it sold for 3.5. This one just kept on going when we were in the room there. It was very exciting to see 
two folks really go after it. And to go a million dollars over high estimate is truly a rare and special event. So uh, another thing that's coming up, and I just mentioned this for our international listeners here, well, in U.S. as well, uh, we are actually having or celebrating 100 years at Lamar by having an auction at Lamar. So let's see. RM Sotheby's is partnering with Lamar and the ACO and presenting a spectacular once-in-a-lifetime Lamar Centarian auction to be conducted at the landmark running of the race in June 2023. And what promises to be the most significant sale of sports competition cars ever offered and taking place on track during the Centauri weekend, the live auction will feature 24, just 24 sports racing cars, all of it which will boast significant race history at the 24 hours of Le Mans. So think about that. Uh, once every 100 years, and this is the first time that there's been an auction at that 100-year celebration, and they're only taking 24 cars because it's a 24-hour race. So if... You have a car that has Lamar history and you would like to explore consigning it at that historic auction. Again, shoot me a note, greg at thecollectorcarpodcast.com or gstanley at rmsethabees.com. All right, a little bit more stuff coming up here. Uh, let's see. If, if you're not watching this right now on YouTube, check out my YouTube channel. I'm posting videos every Monday and the podcast video every Thursday. And I'm going to stream a new live live streaming a new game show called Guess the Hammer. Now, I do want you to play along with me. You can jump on the Collector Car Podcast YouTube channel, and as we're guessing the hammer price for cars as they cross the block, Saturday, January the 7th, from 4 until 6 p.m., we'll probably go a little bit longer, uh, you can guess along with us, and I will call you out if you're, if you're accurate or if you're crazy. I don't know. I'll just call some of you out that are participating live because I think that's really cool. Uh, we might go a little bit longer. We'll probably do every third car uh, just because we need time to talk about what we just did and why we did what we did and talk about the cars that are coming up. Uh, and you can also go to motocarclub.com. That is where we will be having the uh, the live event. And we're still working out the details and everything. So if you're in the tri-state area and you want to come up and go to this live streaming event in person, Go to the Moda Car Club just north of Cincinnati in the Blue Ash area. So I'm very much looking forward to that. I hope to do one a quarter. Eventually, I like to get that to where we hop around the country and have more of you live and in person. All right, so now we're going to pop over to the Weird and Wonderful Cars from Jay Leno's collection. Y'all know I'm a big Jay Leno fan. Met him a couple weeks ago in Las Vegas right before he had his big fire, which was not apparently a Stanley Steamer. It was either... A white steam car or a Doble? I can't remember which. I want to say it was a white steam car. He was interviewed by Huda uh, on NBC, and he looked great. And uh, apparently it was pretty serious, but he rebounded quickly. So uh, glad Jay is doing well. Now, how did I pick the cars for Jay's weird and wonderful list? <laughs> well, basically, I picked cars that weren't really cars or modified to a great extent or custom builds or they were alternatively powered. So yes, to some, so for the list, yes to fire trucks, steam cars, tank cars, aero cars, electric cars, cars modeled after boats, jet powered cars, and vehicles where the driver sits ahead of the front wheels. And yes, that is correct. Jay Leno does have a vehicle in which you're actually sitting ahead 
of the front wheels. So you got to stay tuned to hear about that. Now, what am I not going to talk about? Well, I'm not really going to talk about the steam cars. Those are cool. I'm just not crazy about them. Or the fire trucks. I'm not going to talk about the 1916 auto car. It's more like a big truck. I'm not talking about the Baker Electric because I am talking about the Detroit Electric. I'm not talking about the Corvair Rampside, the Daimler SP250. Those are just a little bit too common. I'm not talking about his military ferret armored car that is legal for the road. I'm not talking about the GMC Cyclone. Again, a little bit too common. His Jensen CV8, his Morgan Hot Rod. I'm not a huge Hot Rod guy. The Morgan three-wheeler, he does have two of those. I probably should talk about one of those, but I'm not. And I'm not talking about the first rotary engine car, the NSU Spider, because I am reviewing his Mazda Cosmo. So let's start with, let's get electric here. We're going to start with the 1914 Detroit Electric. I am pulling up pictures online that are just strictly from the Google search. Now, this description is from RM Sotheby's. They do such a great job. And if you just want to read about some cool cars, go to their auction listings. There's some great writers. Uh, shout out to Forrest. Uh, there's some great writers that uh, contribute to RM Sotheby's. All right. I'm going to scroll through the pictures here while I give you this nice description. Let's see here. Detroit Electric was one of the longest surviving automobile manufacturers dedicated solely to producing electric powered vehicles. Now, the pictures I am scrolling through, most of them will be of Jay Leno's actual car, which is why I'm doing it this way. All right, prior to 1907, the company was known as the Anderson Carriage Company, and they were one of the earliest champions of battery power for their line of lightweight city cars. After reincorporating as Detroit Electric, the firm steadily grew, experiencing respectably strong sales throughout the teens and into the 20s, with production peaking at nearly 5,000 vehicles per year. The Detroit Electric catalog included a variety of bodies, including open touring cars and even sporty underslung roadsters. Now, Jay is neither one of those. His is a four-seat uh, carriage. And what's interesting about this, it doesn't have a steering wheel. It has a rudder. The driver is actually in the back seats. The two front seats can rotate so that you can sit and talk to your fellow passengers and look at each other. And also, one thing he's mentioned in his videos is that his wife really likes his car because it's so quiet that deer will actually walk right up and uh, look into the window because there's no sound and there's no smell to spook them. All right, let's see. These luxurious, formally styled closed cars were the preferred transport of well-to-do city-dwelling women who appreciated the Detroit Electric's silent, smoke-free, no-hassle operation. These cars' mechanical simplicity was particularly appealing in the days before the self-starting petrol engine when the act of simply starting a motor car could be dangerous. As the petrol engine involved, evolved, however, electric car sales dwindled and the company focused more on commercial vehicle production. Passenger cars were still offered on a special order basis throughout the 1920s, but the outdated looks did little to attract new customers. Detroit Electric attempted to modernize their line by purchasing bodies from Willys Overland and later Dodge. They refreshed afforded them enough sales to carry on production. Remarkably, a new Detroit Electric could be ordered as late as 1939. All right, some of the pictures I'm popping online here now are not of the Detroit Electric car, so I'm going to start going backwards. All right, so Jay's uh, Detroit Electric is being restored with many upgrades to the batteries. I believe the engine is actually from a Tesla, <laughs> and he has an upgraded sound system 
and Wooden Frame. Now, in his most recent restoration blog, which was December of 2021, a year ago, uh, he found some original factory lights which needed to be rechromed. They were really these cool, fancy, like, sconce kind of lights. They, he said they looked kind of art deco. Um, I thought they looked like they would fit perfectly in a haunted mansion. So it's really cool how ornate these cars were. It's like a little uh, fancy parlor on the inside. Uh, all right, let's see. All right, next, let's move to the next car. Now, this is one of my favorite cars in Jay's collection. And this is the 1930 Bentley 27-liter car. It's unbelievable. Now, this is this is an aero car. So this has a Merlin engine out of the aircraft. Now, there is a video of him. I believe he's being flown in a P-51 Mustang, which had the Merlin engine. But back in the day... Uh, sometimes folks would take the airplane engines and put them in these cars, hot rodded them basically, and made them incredible. Now, this is a special one off built car. Uh, Top Gear famously did a test in this, um, and uh, Jeremy loved it apparently. The reason I, I would, like, if I could afford it, this is one of the few cars I would want to buy out of his collection. Why well, say that? There's a lot of cars in his collection I love to buy. But the reason being is this one is just bonkers. It's gorgeous. It looks like a huge uh, pre-war Bentley, which is iconic. It seats four people because if I had a car like this, I'd want to take all my friends for a ride in it. And it's just massive. It's just incredible. All right, from RM Sotheby's. Now, this is more related to why there were aero engines in cars. In the relatively peaceful time between World Wars, World War I and World War II, the various hill climbs and race circuits dotting the British countryside became battlegrounds. To navigate the winding corners on the way to the top, your car had to be nimble, but to ensure you marched up the hill faster than anyone else, there was no replacement for displacement. Now, like I said, this is a 27-liter Merlin aircraft. Now, for perspective, for a perspective, the uh, GT Mustang is a 5-liter, <laughs> so this is five times larger. Now, this was built by Peterson Engineering it weighs three over three tons and has almost 700 horsepower. Uh, let's see. Anyways, just a really cool, amazing car. Uh, this is worth it to see his video just to kind of get a feel for how incredibly large this car is. Now, he does have some other aero engines. I think uh, a Fiat, a Hispano Sueza. So he's a big fan of these early pre-war cars that have the airplane engines in them. Uh, just really, really cool. I just want to hear one fire up, honestly. All right, next is, you know, if you thought that was a crazy car, the next car is even crazier. And it's probably the car he's most famously known for. This is the 1930 Blastoline Special Twin Turbo. Uh, just an insane car. So if you're not watching this on YouTube, picture this in your mind. Picture a 1932 hot rod that's been totally stretched three times as long. Make it bigger, um, put in uh, like a boat tail in the back and uh, stretch out the front wheels. And the wheels are actually from an 18 wheeler. That's how big this thing is. And it has, I think it's a 16 cylinder, 12 or 16 cylinder, I think it's 12 cylinder tank engine. So this is known as his tank car. Now this was special made as well uh, years ago. And I think it made the show circuit, like SEMA, different shows like that. And he just fell in love with the car. Uh, it wasn't drivable at the time that he bought it. Now, if you Google it, you'll see an old 
Uh, my classic car video with Dennis Gage. Love that show. Love Dennis. I don't know if he's around still. I haven't seen him lately. Uh, great show. What's fun about that is it's pretty early on for when he had this Blastoline. And you can see in his, his garage, his warehouse garage, uh, how much has evolved over the years. Like the, the painted floor is all chipped paint and some of the cars in the background are under restoration that are well-known cars today that have been since restored. So it's pretty cool to watch that. So this thing is just incredibly insane. I forget the horsepower, but it's absolutely nuts. Really, really cool car. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger apparently really wanted to buy this from him. Um, that, you know, of course, that's another car I love to drive. Uh, having my own collection because it's so bonkers. All right, next in the weird and wonderful cars of Jay Leno is his 1963 Chrysler Turbine. Now, this is from Car and Driver. And the pictures I have on the screen are also from Car and Driver. I believe it's from the actual article I'm quoting here. The old Chrysler Corporation was going to build cars with gas turbine engines just as soon as, well, pretty damn soon. What started out in the minds of a few engineers stimulated by World War II inventiveness as a brainstorm that just might work become became a drive-it-around prototype in October of 1953, so 10 years earlier. Chrysler began testing a stock-modified 1954 Plymouth powered by a turbine. As a decade went by, more and more turbine prototypes whirled out of the Chrysler engineering department and onto the streets of America, where they were captured on film and pictured in every newspaper, mechanics magazine, and car book in the country. General Motors and Ford had turbines too, but Chrysler seemed to be out front, closest to the day when we'd all be whirling around in jet-age cars devoid of cooling systems, mufflers, pistons, valves, carburetors, and need for gasoline. They'd run on kerosene or diesel fuel or, gee, even vodka if you were into party tricks. Anyway, so pretty cool. It's my understanding. All right, let's see. The first 50-car run of identical shimmering bronze Gia body glamour cars. Uh, let's see. So they made approximately 50. I want to say Jay has the only one that's in private hands at this point. Jay had mentioned that he had less lusted after one of these since he was 14, which is kind of, okay. That makes sense because he was 14 in 1964 and these came out in 1963. Bodies were hand built by Gia. The first two door prototype was a car called the Typhoon. And uh, Chrysler made approximately one car per week. But like I said, I think he has the only one in private hands. All the others are in museums across the country. All right, next from the weird and wonderful cards of Jay Leno. It's a 1916 Crane Simplex Model 5 Holbrook Skiff. Now, this is a beautiful pre-war car. At, on first glance, it looks like a lot of other pre-war cars of the era. But when you start looking at it a little more closely, it is bonkers. So this particular car, the exact car in Jay Leno's collection, was built for the 1916 New York Auto Show with yacht-inspired design, including a door in the middle rather than beside passengers and a propeller in back. Uh, let's see, soon purchased at the San Francisco Auto Show uh, and now owned by Jay Leno. So this was a part of the Hera collection and was restored by Hera. Apparently Jay has since restored it. Let's see, back in the day, it cost $10,000, which in 1916 equates to $275,000 today. Has a 568 cubic inch engine with 110 horsepower, which is a lot for 1916. Uh, it has a lot of mahogany and teak woodwork in the interior. So a lot of yacht kind of themes. 
The windshield is straight up and down like the boats of the era. Uh, let's see, you, you enter from the side, which you can see in this picture here that I have shown. And then it has a little like little porthole and some cool little styling touches that would have been on a boat of the era, not on cars of the era. All right, next, this is our sixth car out of our top 10, is Jay Leno's 2006 GM Echo Jet. All right, now this is from, <clears throat> this is the car he had totally custom built. <clears throat> this is from Motor Authority. The idea for the Echo Jet first came about from talks between Leno and his chief mechanic, Bernard. And it soon became a concept sketched out on a couple of napkins. Soon, GM's head designer, Ed Welburn, was called upon and more professional sketches were completed. Design elements came from jet aircraft and F1 race cars, and there's even a hint of Cadillac in it, especially the headlights. Riding on the chassis of a Chevrolet Corvette Z06 modified with aluminum and magnesium structural components, the Echo Jet is powered by a 650 horsepower Honeywell LT101 turbine engine that runs on biodiesel bio fuel or JP4 jet fuel and produces 400 pound feet of torque. The body is composed of carbon fiber and Kevlar and can comfortably seat too. You know, this is one of those cars, I don't know, it's, I would say it's a handsome car. I wouldn't say it's an attractive car. You can call someone handsome and they're still not attractive, right? Yeah, I get that all the time. Uh, let's see. But, you know, it's totally custom built. Really, really cool. In this particular picture online, he has it parked next to the Chrysler Turbine, which makes total sense. He also has, I don't remember the name of it, but he has a jet power, jet engine powered motorcycle. It's a helicopter. They say jet engine, but it's a helicopter turbine engine. And that thing's pretty crazy to hear that sucker power out. So it is a very cool car. Obviously one off, the only one ever made. It's amazing that he was able to build it with GM. All right, our next car, number seven on the list, is a 1967 Mazda Cosmo 110S. Again, this description is coming from Arm Sotheby's. Uh, we had one of these at the Elkhart Collection two years ago, right when people were coming out of COVID, and that whole auction went nuts. And I sat in one, or I tried to sit in one of these. I had a tough time even getting in. I'm just six feet tall. But it just tells you how tight these cars are. And uh, there is a picture of Jay here in a second. It is right-hand drive because it is a JDM car. Uh, right-hand drive, you'll see how tight he is in this sucker. Uh, so can't be comfortable. But it's a cool-looking little car. And obviously, technologically advanced for the time. All right, per arm Sotheby's, Mazda's reputation as a sports car builder is thoroughly cemented today thanks to the MX-5 Miata the RX-7, and the RX-8, but that was hardly the case 50 years ago when the Japanese automaker defied expectations and displayed a prototype of its otherworldly Cosmo at the 1964 Tokyo Motor Show. All right, here's the picture where Jay is like shoehorned in there. Showgoers were undoubtedly wowed by the Cosmo's space race-inspired shape, but those who paid close attention found a highly innovative twin-rotor engine under its bonnet. It does look like a car that would have been on the Jetsons. Like it could almost like just, you know, the tires and wheels just curve underneath it and it takes off. When it hit the market in 1967, the first Cosmo boasted 110 horsepower and a 7,000 RPM redline from less than a liter of displacement. Figures that impress even today. 
let alone 50 years ago. Underneath its sleek, futuristic metal sheet metal, the Cosmo was more of a petite grand touring coupe than an outright sports car with its suspensions, progressive rate springs tuned more for long distance comfort than short corner carving. All right, really, really cool car. At one time, there were said to be only three of these in the U.S., uh, one in Akron, Ohio, uh, Jays, and then honestly, I don't know where the third, well, I guess the third one was the one that ended up up in Elkhart. How about that? All right, the next one is what I referenced earlier as far as the vehicle where Jay would sit ahead of the front axle. Now, this is a 1950 Mercedes Transporter. Now, this is a replica truck, not a replica car, replica truck. All right, this is from Autoblog. According to Leno, this is a replica of a high-speed transport truck Mercedes used for its racing program back in the SL's glory days. That would be the Gullwing, the 300 SL. In the picture we have on line right now, Jay Leno's unrestored 300 SL Gullwing is on the back of it, which is quite incredible to see. All right, let's see. The original would do 108 miles per hour, which is kind of amazing for a vehicle of this size and layout. And remember, it carried that speed with a race car on its back, allowing the mechanics to take the car back to the factory for service quickly. The key to this frankly blistering speed was the original truck's engine, a 3-liter straight-six from the 300SL. Leno's example is a little bit different. See, Mercedes crushed the original transport truck in 1967. After realizing the error of its ways, Mercedes-Benz built an exacting replica of the truck at a cost of around $2 million. And you can see that car in the company's museum. Leno's particular truck isn't a Mercedes-authorized copy, but was the creation of a Swede. Leno took the bodywork and made it roadworthy so he can use it as a transport, which, you know, was why Mercedes built its version in the first place. Jay's changes included adding a hood to access the AC he fitted in a cargo compartment for tools and cables, and it's not powered by an SL engine because that would be crazy expensive, according to Leno. Instead, power comes from the 1980s Mercedes truck engine, and because Jay's a good guy, he added a small decal on the door, signifying that his truck isn't the real McCoy. But the best part of his video is Leno's demonstrating of what it's like to drive. He said it is a really weird feeling because uh, the way you turn around a corner with the wheels behind you, you really have to kind of plan for it and get ready for it. All right, the next one, number nine. This is his 1966 Oldsmobile Tornado. Now, I think Tornados are pretty cool. Uh, one of the first mass-produced front-drive, front, uh, front-wheel drive cars. Um, but Jay took his to the next level. Now, this is from Car and Driver Archives. So this is an article from when they first came out. And uh, this is for the factory correct one, not, not Jay's. Uh, let's see. You can count on the car to understeer, but the degree of understeer varies widely with the power application. Once set up in a corner, more power causes the path to straighten so that the car wants to fall off the road on the outside of the turn because of the big 425 cubic inch engine on top of the front wheel drive. Let's see, re releasing the accelerator pedal does just the reverse. The Tornado dives in toward the inside with alarming quickness. We think the giant 400 horsepower, two and a half ton 
many as a gas, but have some reservations about recommending it to citizens with cardiac conditions. I don't know why they called it a mini. All right. A rule to remember, tire squeal from the overworked front tires is a vocal warning with an ample safety factor. If you always drive below the tire squeal point, you'll be as safe as a cow in India. <laughs> all right. So Jay fixed all those types of issues. This is from goldeagle.com. Let's see. Jay Leno's Tornado recently came with a front bench seat, but it was removed to fit a driveline tunnel, which is used for the chassis torque tube. A pair of black leather bucket seats were added. A lot of stuff was done. Center console was placed between the seats, extra uh, instrument gauges, revamped the trunk, uh, custom fuel cell. Uh, the engine is still 425, but it's um, a GM engine that was heavily modified. So it's over a thousand horsepower. I think it's twin, twin turbo or superchargers. So it looks like an ordinary factory uh, production Tornado, but beneath the sheet metal are a modified C5 Corvette chassis, suspension, and twin turbocharged prototype crate engine. So basically the only thing that is stock on this thing is probably the sheet metal. Everything else in glass, everything else has been massaged and changed. Even the wheels look like factory wheels, but they're, uh, they look like the factory hubcaps, but they're actually uh, aluminum billet wheels that were custom made really really cool that is weird and it's wonderful all right so the last car i want to talk about today is his 1916 owen magnetic now this falls in the alternative power category uh pretty cool car now this is from motor biscuit when the first cars hit the road it wasn't certain that internal combustion engines would be the way forward so in addition to gasoline powered cars some cars ran on steam and some ran on electricity but then as now electric cars had a problem the lack of charging stations haggerty explains so it must have been quoting a haggerty article the owens magnetic tried to address that this is very interesting i can't quite wrap my brain around all the uh, technical aspects of it but if you watch the video uh, jay actually has like a chart that shows kind of how it works I watched it like three times and I, I still really didn't get it. All right. The Owen Magnet Magnetic is the creation of one Justice B. Ince, an electrical engineer once employed by Thomas Edison. Uh, let's see. Ince's prototype appeared in 1898, but a production version didn't come until 1907. The Edison Tech Center reports. At the time, Ince was employed by the Electric Vehicle Company which came under new ownership and stopped making EVs in 1909. He tried to sell the patents elsewhere, but got into a scuffle over royalty payments. It wasn't until Ince went into business with Raymond Owen that the first Owen Magnetic appeared in 1914. Like modern hybrids, the Owen Magnetic has an internal combustion engine and an electric motor. However, this antique hybrid car works differently than most modern ones. The 75-horsepower, 6.1-liter, that's pretty big, inline six-cylinder engine under the hood doesn't drive the rear wheels directly per popular mechanics. Instead, rather than a drive shaft, the engine turns flywheel, turns flywheel in an iron housing. This flywheel, which is essentially a magnet, has several wild coils arranged around it. And when it spins, it creates a magnetic current within the coils, AutoWeek explains. This creates electricity for the electric motor that actually turns the rear wheels. So if that all made sense, good for you, because that was a lot. <laughs> all right. 
That is it for this episode. As a reminder, you can get your free collector car cons- consultation by emailing me at greg at the collector car podcast or gstanley at rmsotheby's.com. And you can schedule a call with me if you like at the collectorcarpodcast.com. Just hit the contact button, look at the calendar, select the date. Uh, if I change it on you, I do apologize. Sometimes it's hard to keep three calendars aligned, uh, but we would ha- we will have a nice little conversation. So as always, thanks for listening, watching, liking, and sharing, and I will talk to all of you next week. Thanks for listening to the Collector Car Podcast. Don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes and be sure to follow us on Instagram and everywhere else at the Collector Car Podcast.